didn't see it coming. The podcast about brands that learn from the past, are looking to the future, and are profiting because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. Culture. Culture is one of those funny words. It's used by everyone and understood by few. People say that culture eats strategy for breakfast, that, that culture is the killer app, that a company with culture will outperform a company with a bad culture. But what exactly is culture? And if you're going to build a future-proof brand, how do you need to incorporate culture into that brand to thrive and survive in times of turbulence and chaos? I was curious about the culture question, and I met David Reeve. David is an expert in the field. In fact, he's just released a book called Unleash Culture. He has won 45 awards for cultural excellence. He's been building culture inside of companies his entire career. And in fact, he's helped foster a number of Fortune 500 brands from within, through their culture. And I was lucky enough to get David Reeve in between book tours and public speaking engagements and launching a new company, actually, that he might even tell us about, uh, to chat about what culture means to brands. Welcome aboard, David. Great to be here, Mark. Nice oh. to hear your voice. Thanks for having me on board. <laughs> Thank you very much for being here. Um, culture. Uh, what is culture today and how has it evolved over the years? A great question. You know, it's, it's very different today than it was five, ten years ago. Uh, if we rewind, say, five, ten years ago, corporate culture was more defined as cool-looking offices, graphics on the walls, uh, you know, great cafes, beanbag chairs, and beer Fridays. And it was more, it was more the, as I like to say, uh, airy-fairy things that attracted people to a brand. Uh, and I actually used to call them masks because a lot of times there'd be so much emphasis put on these sort of things that we never really, really got to the root cause of what great culture is. Over the years, what I've seen is it's become a lot more uh, humanized, if you will. And there's a lot more emphasis focused on what do we have our people becoming versus what do we have our people doing in the workplace. Um, and so culture is also, because of the demographic shift that's happening over the years, um, there seems to be this thirst now for people to want to get more intimately involved with all aspects of the brand. And so culture has dramatically changed in more of that direction, like I said earlier, about what do we have our people becoming, and also educating people on the business of the business uh, and tying that into building the culture. You know, it's funny because culture, uh, you know, I come from the workplace of the 90s and, and the early 2000s, and, and culture was always one of those things that, that you saw on motivational posters. Like you said, it was always kind of flaky and, and everybody talked about it, but it seemed like a box to tick off, you know, like, like you said, paint the walls and put some cool stuff on the walls. Um, and and it, it is, it, that just sort of proves to me, though, that culture is something that is extremely hard to teach. You go into some companies and they've got it. And you go into some companies and they don't got it. Can you take a company that doesn't have a healthy culture or just an absent culture, a big vacuum, can you actually give them a good culture or do they have to do that themselves? We can help guide them, 
uh, 100%, but of course it's got to come within. And and so most people that uh, approach me and say, hey, we'd like to you know chat with you about engaging your services, they're at a reflection point in their brand, and and typically it, it's the it's the entrepreneur, the founder, uh, you know, the, generally the person in charge has come and said, you know, what what we started out or what we envisioned this to be about has manifested into something else, and it's time now to sort of slow down, step back, and we, and we need to design it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, hundred percent. What what we do is. One of, the, one of the interesting things about fast-paced entrepreneurial companies, there, there, there's a couple of things about them. One is they're almost afraid, in many cases, to slow down. Mm-hmm. And in order to go fast, you have to slow down. In fact, I love a saying that the, uh, the Blue Angels have. It's slow is smooth, smooth is fast, and fast is lethal. And so I'm going to write that. I'm going to write that down. (laughs) That is one of the coolest things I've ever heard. You're talking about the blue angels, the, uh, flying, the flying. um, Yeah. Yeah. Slow is smooth. Smooth is fast and fast is lethal. And so it's very important that when we, we, we start off, we, we need to slow things down and we need to take a look under the hood. And so what we do is we, we go in and we do what we call a culture maturity level, um, analysis on the brand. And we see exactly where and what areas are they're they're spending their energy, what sort of return on energy they're getting in those areas, but just what are the areas where, where culture, good culture seems to be lacking. The other thing about fast paced entrepreneurial companies is they have a tendency to want to get through things instead of get from things because they're fast paced entrepreneurial companies. And so there's a bit of a mind shift there saying, look, let's, let's get through this, let's get from this experience, not just through this experience. And so what we've done is we, we've actually over the years in all the brands that we've helped build and, and, and affect all the companies I've started and just me sitting in the front row paying attention and, and, um, you know, just taking great notes. I've noticed that really there are five great elements to building a great corporate culture. Mm-hmm. And so when I discovered what these were, I put them into what I call a culture ecosystem. And so when we go into a brand, after we do the culture maturity level analysis, we then say, okay, how are we performing in each of the five areas of this ecosystem? And I'll just quickly go through those. Mm-hmm. Um, the first area is what we call culture of alignment. And so how aligned are we from top to bottom, bottom to top on the fabric of our character and why we exist as a brand. And so to boil it down to simple terms, that is your purpose and your core values. Now that, just to break, just to break that down, if I get the the person who is in the mail room and I get the CEO on two separate elevators and I ask them, why do they exist? They should be able to give me the same answer. That's what you're saying. That would be the ultimate outcome. Yes, absolutely. And, and how often does, how often does that happen? Uh, almost none. Almost <laughs> none. In fact, most, it, it's interesting because if we back this up even a little bit further, um, and then we'll, we'll get, certainly get back on this, but when you build a brand, in, in my, the way I look at it is you're in the business of really doing one thing, and that is telling your story to the world, and you tell your story to the world for two reasons. One is to become an attractive brand to work for. Mm-hmm. And another one has become an attractive brand to work with. There's two parts to telling your story. There's the skill side of your story, which 
everyone really has mastered. And it's the automatic default when someone says to you, hey, tell me about your business. You immediately go to what you do and how you do it. It's the rational thing, right? It's, it's the thing right. that we can grasp and we feel comfortable with. It, and and you, you nailed it. It's, it's sort of the comfort zone. But the second piece of telling your story is the character side of your story, right? And it's interesting. When you approach a company, there's a level of expectation that they've got skill. So if I engage an airline, mm-hmm. or I engage an IT company, or I engage any brand, there's a level of expectation that I know they know what they're doing. But what I'm not expecting is to hear the character side of their story. And that is the emotional hook that's going to bring me in. And then the third piece to telling your story is, of course, the, is the fact that there's two sides to it. There's the story you tell as a brand, and you can generally control that through your PR initiatives, your marketing initiatives, social initiatives. You can put the story that you want out there. But then there's the, the story that other people tell about your brand, and we call them brand ambassadors. Mm-hmm. So the question I always say is, what story do you want being told out there? And the foundation to telling your story, again, is skill and character. But because 90% of companies spend all their time telling the skill side mm-hmm. and only 10% side, 10% telling their character side, you get this lack of emotional engagement. So we're, when we go into brands, we say what we're going to do is we're going to work on the character side of your story and that character side of your story is anchored deep in corporate culture. And that's why building a amazing corporate culture is actually going to work on the character side of your brand. So the first piece of that is the culture of alignment, and that's your purpose mm-hmm. and your values. And so once we get alignment there from top to bottom, we now know why we exist. We now have our values which guide us. And so there's this synergy that just starts to happen because now if you need the CEO or someone else in separate elevators, and you say, tell me about your brand, they can articulate why they exist. You know, it's funny um, It's funny when you say that, uh, because I deal with companies all the time. As you and I know, we, I create these things for companies, these mini pitches, which are all about what do you bring to the world looking from the outside in. So, so I'm looking at you, David, why would I hire you? And what I find again and again and again is people talk about what they do. But it's that, that, that is replicable, that is commoditized, that is, you know, if I go on to my friend, Mr. Google, I can find you a million times over, but it's your character, and that is super hard to express and grab a hold of, and for me, really hard to describe for a brand. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty rich area, but I imagine there's a lot of, um, there's a, you're peeling back an onion, and I'm sure that's not always a, a very pleasant process. Well, it isn't because it, it, it's it's interesting. It's an uncomfortable process to get there. And what I, I mean uncomfortable is there's a lot of energy and excitement about landing on it, but you nailed it. It's peeling back that onion seven layers and getting into that really emotional, emotional reason why you started the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I'm not a massive fan of things like mission statements. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I never met a spouse sorry, an entrepreneur who woke up in the middle of the night and shook his or her spouse and said, you know, honey, I want to start a company to increase shareholder value through profitability while maintaining environmental standards. 
I, what I love, I, I love, I love them when they when they get done and they're 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 camel statements. You know, they're a horse designed by a committee, and they've got one word for everybody on the committee, and it, it, they come out sounding like those. You know, we're we're people who love selling people to people, and you're like, what? You know, and, and the the yeah. minute they write it, they throw it in the garbage. You know, it's just terrible. Oh, it's, and so when you read those, it's incredibly hard to get emotionally attached to it. Where my my rule of thumb when designing a purpose statement is it has to be uh, four words or less. So if you look at my brand on this culture, my purpose is discover greatness within. Mm-hmm. That's why I started the brand. That's what I want for the people that engage me. And, you know, so how I do that is obviously through speaking and authoring and mentoring and things like that. But the, the reason why I get out of bed every morning is I want people to discover greatness within. It becomes my rallying cry. Mm-hmm. And it's simple. And, and then, of course, I have my four values that are the fabric of my character, and I make every single decision around those. So as long as whoever I'm engaging, there is a character alignment between me and that person or me and that brand, then I know now we've got the foundation to have a great relationship. And so for working with a brand, we get everybody aligned around purpose and values mm-hmm. and let that influence every decision we make. We now have started um, the foundation for building the character side of our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, the second piece is called our culture of clarity. And that is, what are we going to do and how are we going to get it done? And I'm a big believer in building corporate culture that when you ask someone to join your brand and work with you, you're asking them to contribute a significant portion of their life to building your brand. Mm -hmm. I think it's very, very important for the brand to be as as transparent as possible and as inclusive as possible and get these good folks uh, included in building out the strategy, building out the roadmap. Um, you know, having an influence on the direction of where we're going. It's shocking to me the number of companies that really just do the top-down effect, meet in an off-site, plan all the goals for the company, and then push it down on people and say, well, this is how we want you to act, and this is how we need you to deliver, with very or no involvement from all levels. So we go in and we, we work with them on on how to build that, and, and of course, uh, we have a series of uh, off-sites that we run and meetings that we run and we just we teach them and we educate people on the business of the business at all levels you know it's funny it's funny you should mention that i i wrote a number of speeches for mina Gooley, who is um this australian lady who has just run uh seven deserts on seven continents in seven weeks the equivalent of 35 marathons to raise awareness for uh, what we're doing with our water supply, the bad things we're doing all around the world with our water. And uh, the first speech I wrote for her was called The Problem with Passion. And the problem with, there's a number of problems with passion, but one of the biggest ones is that if you're passionate about something and you want people to take part, you have to allow them to build it with you. And you just touched on that. You know, you say that, and this, I remember doing this with company after company when I was helping, uh, you know, companies formulate what we stood for, um, you know, ad agencies that I was the creative director at and, and we would just go off and do it. And then we would read it out from the mountain, uh, to everybody. This is who we are. And you could tell people are just like, yeah, as long as I keep getting a paycheck, uh, if you don't give them a role in the story, uh, they have no vested interest. And you just touched on something. You said, you're asking people to contribute a good portion of their life to building what you have as a dream. So you better give them a part of that dream, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you, you nailed it. And, and, you know, I said earlier um, when we started, you know, if you put the focus on what do we have our people becoming instead of just what do we have our people doing? Well, part of making people become more is being transparent and sharing the knowledge and teaching them the business within the business. And, uh, that also, also of course, you get a you get a tremendous amount of accountability that comes with that, which is the third part of the ecosystem, which is culture of accountability. Mm-hmm. And you know, I read and and sort of when I was doing my research and reading and chatting with people, it's a very 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 low percentage uh, of companies that actually hold everyone accountable. And if you want to kill culture fast in your brand, just have a bunch of unaccountable people running around. Um, and so what we do is we build a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual rhythm with a, a number of touch points in those rhythms uh, to raise the overall accountability. Um, i give you an example. In most brands that we build, we do away with job descriptions. Uh, not a big fan of them. Uh, usually used during the hiring process and then sit in a drawer somewhere, never to be looked at again. So what we do is we take all the strategy that we've all landed on together and we break it into 90 day scorecards and we build out 90 day plans for people. And then just every week or every couple of weeks, we just sit down and have a quick scorecard review. How are you tracking your scorecard? How can I be a resource to you? Um, it narrows people's focus. We know that if everyone's working on their scorecards, then what's going to happen is the, the overall strategy will be, will be intact. Now, hold on, so, hold on. Let me stop you there. Let me stop you there. I'm running a fast paced tech company startup. Uh, we're hiring people at breakneck speed or we're working 14, 16 hour days. Uh, and, and now you're expecting me to actually create a scorecard and, and sit with everybody on my staff and go through their scorecard with them. Don't I rebel and just go, Oh no, screw you, man. Do you, do you think we've got that much time? Do you, how do, how do people carve out the time to sit with somebody and reflect every 90 days on if they're hitting their goals? Yeah, well, it, 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 you raise another good point. It's about building a rhythm because the next 90 days are going to come and go regardless. Mm-hmm. And we can just go like the Dickens and get through things and not from them and run up from the seat of our pants. But you're going, to, you're going to hit that magical tipping point in building your brand where you're going to sit back and say, hey, what we've done to date, running by the seat of our pants, fast-paced, has gotten us so far that because of our growth or whatever the case may happen to be, we now need to start to put some structure in place. Mm-hmm. So my philosophy is why not put the structure in place from day one and just make it part of who you are and your DNA. And it actually gets easier if you do it this way. So imagine you and I, we work together mm-hmm. and every couple of weeks, I just sat down with you for five, six minutes and said, Mark, how are you tracking to your scorecard? You know what, Dave? Here's my scoreboard. Bang, bang, bang. Great. How can I be a resource to you? And so what you've basically done, because I, I, I did this with all my staff, and now that you put it that way, I mean, when I, when I was working with big staff, I would sit down with everybody on my staff at least once a week anyway, because you just want to know how they're, how they're doing on their projects. But what you've done is given me a structure for our conversation, so it's not just, hey, Bob, how you doing? You know, you've given us a, a sort of a checklist, which makes us feel like we've got something constructive to talk about. Absolutely. And, and then we've even taken it in brands where it doesn't have to be, a, for instance, if we're, you know, still using scorecards as our example, it doesn't have to be 
Mark, the senior leader, sitting down with with Dave, the you know the developer, it could be a peer to peer scorecard review. Oh. Um, one of the brands that I, one of the brands I helped mentor that became the number one company to work in BC, British Columbia, was they would have a daily huddle, which I'm a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. And daily huddles, by the way, are, are, are a phenomenal way where everyone gets engaged. A seven minute daily huddle, uh, very high spirited, and there's elements to it. But as the huddle master, when people are giving out what their top ones for the day are, mm-hmm. you're also you're also listening to make sure that everyone's aligned uh, with the goals of the company. But what this group would do is uh, every two weeks after one of their daily huddles, they would just have a peer to peer scorecard review, and so they would just have different different team members pair up with each other, and they develop such a maturity in their people. And so it could be, uh, you know, Dave the developer sitting down with you know. Joanne, the coder, and they just have a quick peer-to-peer scorecard review. How are you tracking to it? There was a level of maturity there, though, that they wouldn't just say, oh, I'm doing fine, and, you know, it's great, and they start talking about something else. Mm-hmm. They actually were genuinely making sure that each other were being held accountable and tracking well. Wow. And so it's about build, building the rhythm. And so when you start to build accountability through your culture, where everybody's engaged, everyone's held to the same standards, you get an overall lift. The fourth piece is called culture of continuous improvement. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a lean certified black belt in the Toyota production system. And so what we do is we go in and we say, let's teach people the basics of lean mythology, which is basically looking at all your processes and eliminating the waste where we can and only keeping up what is of value to the end user. So what we end up doing is we end up building a culture of problem seekers and solution finders. And it's a great place to be because a lot of cultures are built on a foundation of fear. And so people are afraid to make suggestions. People are afraid to come up with new ideas because in some cases I've heard people will actually think, well, if I do that, I may be walking myself out of a career. Huh? You know? now, how does that happen? Is that, is that, because I've, I've, I've been accused of that myself. You know, you run a big company, you think you're doing good, but then people are afraid to talk to you. That's why I always, I always had a, an admin, a person uh, who people would go to and she would be the agony aunt. And she, she would listen to their problems and then she'd translate them to me because I was always the gruff old man. People were afraid. How does that happen? You know, I'm sure the leader doesn't go, you know what, I'm going to fire your ass if you come with a suggestion. I'm sure it's the opposite, but somehow something gets lost in translation. How does that even happen? Well, I, I think boils down down to depending on the age of the company. Um, it's you know this is the way we've always done things, and we hired you for a specific role. Now just go do your role. Yeah, and don't people be a are just coming in. And, yeah, they're just coming in and existing. They're not really again. They have this thing on just go do instead of become. And the only way you're ever going to evolve, like if you actually sat those people down and said, well. Let's take you back to the early days. Like mm-hmm. clearly, you already had that. You know how to do this. You you evolved into what you are today. Albeit there may be some challenges with that evolution, but but yeah, that's what happens. Or people they just go in and lock themselves in offices and they don't speak and there's not great communication. Uh, they don't have such things as daily huddles and uh, monthly, you know, state of the unions or quarterly state of the unions or strategic planning sessions or just fostering that whole culture of collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this push down attitude. And who are you, Mr. Developer, to challenge us on our ideas? And 
it just kind of manifests by default. So we, we go in and we, and we just create this amazing culture of just getting better. Mm-hmm. And then the fifth piece and the last piece is what I call culture of inspiration. And really just how do we have the most incredibly inspired people walking through our front door every single day? Mm-hmm. And what do we have them focused on as becoming as people? Um, we've introduced great things like the Culture Warrior Program, our uh, streams program, building internal universities, investing in people's education. Just what are the things that we have to do to help advance people on a skill level, mm-hmm. but also grow them on a character level? Well, because you and, just you finished you you said just a short while ago, you know, people are going to invest a good part of their life in building your dream. Um, you have to make them one part of that story, but two, give them something in return. And I guess as work life blends together more seamlessly, uh, there's a huge role for developing people as people. And uh, the big question to me is, you know, you look at Facebook with these incredible campuses like Google, where they've got bands and they've got self development and they've got, they've, it, it's, it's like a YMCA summer camp. And at what point does this become too much or can there be too much? Can it be too much of an all involving sort of thing? It can become too much. And that's actually a really great point. It can become too much if you're constantly hitting people with new ideas that you're not following through on. And therefore they start to become shiny objects. Ah. And so the key to all this, remember I said earlier is, is to slow down. So I'll give you an example. Um, you have you develop core values, mm-hmm. and so how do you breathe life into your core values? Well, one of the simple ways is to come up with core value nomination forms. And for instance, if you catch somebody in the act of living one of the values, mm-hmm. then you get to write them up in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And then in your daily huddle, you read out two or three nomination forms, and then you know they're presented to the person, or they go, or they get pinned up on the board usually once a month when you celebrate all your birthdays and anniversaries and things like that, you, you have your big core value nomination program and award people, you know, the nominee of the month. Mm-hmm. Just start with something as simple as that and breathe life into it for three to four months and make it part of your DNA. Then you introduce something else very slowly. Maybe it's the culture warrior program or these dreams, breathe life into that. So do two or three initiatives a year mm-hmm. and, make them part of your DNA versus, hey, guys, every month we're going to roll us a couple of things, and then they just sort of die on the vine. And then, then everybody just happens. goes, if we just shut up and uh, look at the ground, the boss will get over this, and we'll just be able to get back yeah. to business as usual, which is the worst thing. It'll go away. So, so absolutely. So less is often more when building culture, and it's a journey. Yeah. It's interesting. When I, when I work with a lot of leaders of brands, they'll say to me, first question is, well, how long is this going to take? And I'll say, well, forever, I guess. To, yeah. How long did it take you to, you know, it's, it's like being overweight and going and then wanting to go to the gym and say, well, I want to drop 40 pounds in a month. Well, no, it's a, it's, it's a journey. We have to do this, uh, in, in little baby steps and, and, uh, and then we can start to grow a little faster. So yeah, it just, it takes time. But my thing is let's introduce less concepts and make them part of our DNA and knock it out of the park. And then people who are saying, Hey, this worked what's next. So right. if we can keep all five of those elements, those the ecosystem in balance, then we start to build an unstoppable rhythm. And we're hitting on all cylinders, not only building the skill side of the brand, but also honoring and building the character side of the brand. 
which now gives us the foundation to go and tell a really, really amazing story and build an amazing culture. Well, you and I were talking offline before about, you know, how you and I can work together and, and this, this thing that I've created, these mini pitches for people. And um, that seems like a, a wonderful manifestation of a good culture would then go, it would go right to the brand. People don't like old school brands that are superficial and slick. They want people brands. They want to know that, you know, at Zappos, the person that I talk to is the brand, the person on the phone, you know, and, and if you can express why you exist and fold uh, your company that you work for into that why you exist, that makes a very, very powerful, personal, compelling story that customers are very attracted to. Absolutely. And I think what you've developed is absolutely brilliant because what you've been able to do and I'm a huge fan of your work, and I, and, I, and I believe that you've mastered this, is you've been able to take a story and simplify it. And someone can make, by going through the products that you build for brands, they can immediately identify with it, and there's an emotional attachment. And yeah. you're doing it, though, in a, in a very condensed version where people go, I get it. You've appealed to me. I want to take the next steps with you. And so you're absolutely right. Taking... Taking a brand story, culture and uh, sorry, character and skill, and being able to articulate it in the, in you know in your work and get that message out and, and simplify it. Let's just keep things so simple. But you know, it's uh, funny. It's funny that we're, when we're, when I do these when I do these mini pitches for people, it's always like you said, it's a process of uh, unfolding. You know, peeling back the onion. And a lot of times, I work with companies and they don't have anything to say. You know, and you're kind of, you really have to work hard to, to, to get them to the place where they're going, I, I wonder why I'm even here, you know, and then, the, then it starts to yeah. come out, it always comes out. But a lot of times people just go right back to, we're, we're, we're people selling people to people and, and they can spout off the mission statements. They, they, they have no clue, you know, what their culture could be. It's a very old school, here's what we do nine to five and that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And you can, you can you can immediately feel it when you walk into a place. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's just an energy. Um, and you can, you can almost cut it with a knife, uh, you know, if, the, if it's fear-based uh, or whatever the case may be. And then you walk into those brands, with, and without anyone speaking a spoken word, you can just feel the energy just by the way people look at you and smile, and you, can, you just know you've landed in a good place. Mm-hmm. And it's very sad when people wake up one day and don't even know really why they exist. And then yeah. if they don't know why they exist, how in the dickens are they going to be able to take, project that energy out to the marketplace yeah. and become an attractive place to do business with? Like, and that, I wonder why they're... And that, that, they're, that, that, that hits it right there. At the beginning of our conversation, I said, you know, culture is this flaky thing. Everybody says it. Nobody knows what it is. Culture is strategy. Ah, how do I get culture? Can I buy it at the five and dime? But what you just said... You know, this, this, this depth, uh, this absence of soul is a company killer more than anything else. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you make. You can make, you can make solid gold bricks and it'll still, your company will still go under if you don't, if you got no soul and that's what Absolutely. culture is. Huh. Absolutely. Yeah. You nailed it. And, and, and it's just, it's just one of those things you feel. Mm-hmm. And then when it gets out there, people want to be a part of it. You know, one of the brands we built across Canada we had less than 1% churnover. We had on average 150 applicants for every single role. 
we'd have people knock on our front door and say, I know you're not hiring, but I just want to be a part of this one day. Mm -hmm. Right. And what a wonderful place to be Mm -hmm. that someone knocks on your front door and says, I just want to be a part of this one day. Not sure what that's going to look like, but I put you on my short list. I want to be part of this. And, and that's a great, great place to be. That's a wonderful Um, place. Yeah. So, and I mean, so, if, if you've got a company like that, then I think probably the negative Nellies self-select themselves right out of it. You know, you, you, so you start to build a company of enthusiastic, keen, smart people. Well, what's going to stop you then? Your company's going to be a success. Absolutely. And, and it, it's, it, it is a self-weeding thing. And sometimes when you start to get, you know, slow, smooth, smooth is fast, fast is lethal, and you're starting to grow the brand will grow and grow and grow. And, and people, some people will just say, you know what, not for me. I want to move on. And others just absolutely embrace it and run with it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, that's okay. You know, yeah. we, we, we honor both those decisions of people, but more often than not, people want to be a part of it uh, right. because they recognize now that this is something special. And again, they're now becoming more than they thought they could be. And, that's a very appealing place for people to be. Very cool. Now, I want to finish off. Um, I want to finish off talking about your book. Give us, give us the lowdown on the book. Yeah, so the book uh, is just, just out now on, on Amazon, and it's called Unleash Culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, literally what it was was I've just been one of those guys my whole career, as I mentioned earlier, that sat in the front row, taken tremendous notes, and mastered what I call R&D which is rip off and duplicate. And, <laughs> and I just took all the best bits of everything that I've learned over the years, everything that my mentors taught me, the things that I've researched, the leaders that I've, uh, that I've had the pleasure of working with and interviewing and, and all the brands that we've built into big powerhouses. And I broke it down into a playbook. And so Unleashed Culture is really simply a playbook step-by-step playbook on how to build culture in your brand, really utilizing the areas of the ecosystem um, as the foundation of it. And then, of course, we've layered on some other elements. The other great thing is when you when you get the book, um, there's a link in, the, in that you can type in, and it takes you to a, a special landing page, and you can download all the forms uh, that you're going to need that we talk about in the book, mm-hmm. uh, all the templates for meetings, all the templates for hiring great people, um, how to do your culture maturity questionnaire, et cetera, et cetera. It's all there. So now, hold on, let me stop. You. Let me stop you. Let me stop you for a second because I'm a huge believer, uh, you know, in building the, the, the persona of an expert and an expert, like a doctor, you know, you declare what your expertise is. Obviously you have that very, very clear down to four words. Uh, then you surround yourself with experts. You just talked about R and D rip off and, and, uh, duplicate, and then you publish and you give your information away for free. So I get, uh, unleash culture, the book, and I start using the playbook and, uh, I download the forms is, is, are you giving me enough information that I could make a credible go of it myself? Or is culture something that I need a guy like David Reeve to come in and help me with? Do I need an outsider's perspective or can I do it myself? Yeah, great question. So on the book, um, no matter where you're at in your journey, if you're just a solopreneur starting out or you've been in business 15 years and have a few hundred team members and you're just stuck, there's something there for everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
I would say it's a bit of a combination of both the way I designed it. There are things within the book that you could very easily say, you know what, we've learned this, and using his form, we can take a run at this, mm-hmm. and we can put this into play. There's other elements of the book which are a little bit more loftier and larger in nature, uh, bigger initiatives, like running a strategic offsite. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you wouldn't want to take a run at that yourself because we've all seen that when companies get together and try to facilitate their own offsites. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when you'd reach out to someone like me and say, hey, listen, could you come in for two or three days and, and help us with our strategy offsite? Usually what that leads to then is us building a relationship. Right. So my counsel to everyone listening would be, um, buy the book, have a read through it, see the areas of your culture where you feel we're lacking. There'll be some small little quick quick hits for you that you can do on your own. But ultimately, you do want to engage someone like myself to come in and help guide you and mm-hmm. sit on your shoulder and point in the right direction. Just like people engage you, you know, I can I can attempt to write a great speech mm-hmm. uh, that I think is going to land really well because it's based on the knowledge that I have in my head today. And I may read a few books on it, but to engage someone like you that comes in and says, let me wear a different set of lenses. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think of it this way? Uh, it's invaluable. So I'm a, I, I would say a little bit of both, but mm. certainly leaning more towards you. At the end of the day, you do need some, some outside help. All right. So now I want to I want to get a hold of you. I'm, I'm blown away by this podcast, and I want to get a hold of David Reeve and pull you in. How do I get a hold of you? Absolutely. So a couple of ways. You can connect with me through my website, which is unleashedculture.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the connect page, and, and we'll get right on. You can certainly feel free to pick up the phone and give me a call at 604-551-5459. Uh, love to chat with anyone. Um, and then you can also email me mm-hmm. at david at unleashculture.com. All right. We're good to go. I'm sure the phone will be ringing off the hooks because this is a fantastic conversation. You've got something huge to offer here. I love it. And I feel a lot clearer now on exactly what culture is in a corporation and how we can get some and why it makes such a big difference. Thank you so much for making it clear. Well, I appreciate your time and energy and everything you're doing and just for having me on and being able to tell uh, my story. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Rock and roll. I'll talk to you in a bit. Take good care. Bye. You've been listening to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast about a brand that learned from the past, are looking to the future, and are profiting because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. If you want to get a hold of me, drop me an email.